Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zelstra and Karen Nowicki. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing ecosystem. Southern Arizona biosense industry is creating jobs, fostering economic growth, addressing public health challenges, and training the next generation of bioscience problem solvers. I'm Karen Nowicki, and I'm your host today, co-host actually, and I'd like to welcome you to AZ TechCast, sponsored by Arizona Technology Council. We have a lot of interesting content to cover today, so I'd love for us to dive in and introduce you to our panel of featured guests. We have Dr. Jennifer Barton, Director of Bio5 Institute at the University of Arizona. Welcome, Jennifer. Welcome, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you for making time for us. And we have Souvenir Toshado, President and Founder of Suvi BioDelivery. Welcome, sir. Thank you. And Kristen Swingle, Interim President and Chief Operating Officer of the Critical Path Institute. Hello, Kristen. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And we would not have the show without my partner, Steve Zalstra. He is the Arizona Tech Council President and CEO. Welcome, sir. Great to see you all. Uh, great to have such experts uh, from the city of Tucson on today and uh, in a very important sector to our state. Absolutely. Now, the uh, weather up here in Phoenix and Tempe area is finally cooling down. I got to open my windows today. Same for you. How's the weather today? Uh, it's great down here. Actually, I uh, got sprinkled on a little bit this morning, so it was wonderful. Signs, signs of fall, right? I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we're headed away from 100 degree weather. Mm-hmm. All right. So we would love for you to each take a, a few moments to introduce yourself and the work that you do, and perhaps even how you're collaborating and working uh, with other folks in the industry, not only in Southern Arizona, but perhaps even worldwide and, and the rest of our state. Uh, we do have a full hour for the show, so please don't feel like you have to you know, cut it short. Uh, Kristen, would you mind kicking it off for us? Sure, thank sure. Um, so once again, thank you for having me. Um, and I am, I am currently serving in the role of interim president and, and chief operating officer for Critical Path Institute. And our roots and our history are, are based here in Tucson. Um, our founder, Dr. Ray Woosley, actually um, used to be the dean of College of Medicine there at the University of Arizona. And so the organization got started in, in 2005 as really a byproduct or an offshoot of the critical path initiative that was put forth um, by FDA. You know, our mission is to serve as really a catalyst for innovation that accelerates the path to a healthier world. So we are a nonprofit. Um, We serve, uh, you know, as an independent, neutral third party to really form um, public-private partnerships with regulatory agencies, with biopharmaceutical firms, with universities and patient groups, Really what we do is we collaboratively identify and develop tools and solutions that can address therapeutic areas where there is an unmet treatment need. So while our roots are here in Tucson, we actually have employees and team members all across the United States. We actually have an office currently in in Dublin, Ireland, where we have four employees. 
who are working on efforts um, that are supporting a, a European initiative that's focused on tuberculosis. So um, we are uh, we are international as well, and we're looking to expand further. Prior to joining CPATH, I actually was I served for 14 years as the vice president of stem cell operations for Core Blood Registry, which also has its roots at the University of Arizona as our scientific uh, director and one of our, our founders is still a professor there. And then I've also served as, as chairwoman for the Arizona Bioindustry Association since 2018. And um, Jennifer Barton and I have, have worked closely together um, in that forum. So the vast majority of my professional career actually has been here in, in Southern Arizona. Um, but I'm also the rare Tucson native. Uh, so I'm personally invested in nurturing the bioscience community here in, the, in Southern Arizona. Fantastic introduction. Thank you. And Jennifer, how about for you? Hi, so I have two roles. I'm director of the Bio5 Institute and also a faculty member in biomedical engineering here at the University of Arizona. So the Bio5 Institute has been around for 20 years. We're celebrating our 20th anniversary now. We kind of have a, a threefold mission. We, we bring people together. That's the big thing that we do. We bring them together across disciplines to solve grand challenges in the biosciences. Uh, we also then want to make sure that those advances don't just stay in the laboratory. Uh, we, we may be accused of doing that a little bit at the universities here. So we want to make sure that, that our really exciting discoveries make their way out into the community where they can actually have an impact. So that is one of the areas that we focus on is working uh, hand in hand with Tech Launch Arizona to make sure that things get out and, and help. And uh, we've heard, you know, some of the... Um, companies and things that, that have come out of Bio5 numbers. Uh, finally, we train the next generation of scientists. So we're really proud of that. We're not a degree granting unit, but we touched in the last 20 years, 15,000 students that we provided hands-on training opportunities to, to make sure that they could join the workforce and, and help promote the Southern Arizona and nationwide economies. So in my own work, I'm, I'm a Bio5 member as well, and I benefit from all the things that Bio5 does to bring people together. I work on developing novel imaging technologies to detect the very earliest signs of cancer. You want to do that when the cancer is still curable. So to do that, I need to work with cancer biologists, with physicians, but also with people in regulatory agencies, industry partners who might want to help. So I'm an example of the, the type of faculty who benefit from the Bio5 Institute. I can see why we have all of you here. Souvenir, if you would introduce yourself as well, please. Hi, my name is Souvenir Tachado, the founder of uh, Soviet by Delivery and based in Tucson. I moved from Boston and I worked in Boston for 15 years because, from Boston to Tucson because I'm sick of shoveling snow. So I moved in here and it looks like the weather is, is good. So my company is developing a novel drug delivery platform based on a cell product called exosomes to deliver drugs, specific cell, tissues, and organs to avoid drug induced side effects. And this idea came from my studies when I was at Harvard Medical School as a, as a, member, as a faculty member studying on HIV slash AIDS. The idea came from because in order for the virus to disseminate this infection, the virus has to get out of the cell to get out of the cell, it uses this shuttle mechanism called exosomes, uh, a cell product, to get it out and look for an infected cell to infect the cells. So that gave us an idea that use these exosomes as a drug delivery vehicle or 
or a system that can deliver drugs to specific sites in order to uh, avoid drug-induced side effects. So that's why I'm here in uh, in, uh, in Tucson. And I think that's what this biotechnology is all about. Fantastic. How long have you been in Arizona then? Not too long? Three, three years, three years. Fairly recent. Yeah. Well, great. We're glad you're here. For uh, those listeners who are not familiar with the Arizona Tech Council or Steve Zalstra, I would love, Steve, if you would do the same, just introduce yourself and, and uh, why we have this wonderful opportunity to, to meet with so many incredible professionals. Thank you, Karen. Uh, I'm President and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. We're a statewide uh, trade association focused on science and technology-based enterprises. Uh, we have about 700 and almost 800 uh, member companies across the state, offices in both Phoenix and Tucson. We do uh, public policy on behalf of the tech industry at both the state and federal level. Uh, we uh, do 150 events uh, a year. We just had one last night. We uh, have all kinds of publications. We have a magazine called Tech Connect, a newsletter called Tech Talk. We have uh, actually two podcasts, this one, TechCast, and one called Tech Focus, uh, which is actually produced in, in Tucson. And um, we provide other benefits to our members, like we run an association health plan. We can provide them uh, medical, dental, vision, life, disability, uh, the whole package. And we also run a 401k program with uh, Empower and UBS. So uh, a full-service trade association, serving uh, the science and technology uh, enterprise community in our state. We're also very connected with education. Uh, every post-secondary institution in the state is a member of the Tech Council. Uh, and our foundation, the SciTech Institute, focuses exclusively on STEM uh, and K through 12. So uh, we've been around a long time, became the Arizona Tech Council in 2002, but Actually, uh, precursors to the Tech Council started in 1985, so we've had a lot of staying power over uh, many years. And uh, the the SciTech Institute has their um, big summit coming up. It's next week, isn't it? We're broadcasting live that afternoon. It's on Wednesday. Daryl just let our producer let me know. Yes, so we're going to be doing little mini interviews like this at the summit. It's it'll be my second year being there, and I can't wait to meet with the educators at that. K-12 level, but more so middle school, high school, right, Steve? And continue yes. to have these kinds of conversations with the sponsors and all the folks who are really there to support our younger generation in moving towards STEM careers. So excellent. Yeah, and it's called the STEM Innovation Summit, and it's at the uh, Arizona Science Center uh, next Wednesday, all day. Yes, should be a fantastic event. Uh, all right, so let's get uh, into the meat of our conversation. Again, for our listeners who aren't familiar with the vast industry of bioscience, would any any of you can kind of chime in, but what is bioscience and where do you draw, why were you personally drawn to this industry? I actually started off as an electrical engineer, uh, which, is, which is a great way to change the world, but I gravitated to biomedical engineering because it's a way to more directly help people. And what I see among the students and faculty and researchers that we work with is that a lot of them see bioscience, biotechnology, bioengineering is a way to just directly make a difference in human health, nutrition, well-being, and, and also environmental health. I oftentimes get asked what the five is in bio five. That's 
agriculture, engineering, medicine, science, and pharmacy. So we take a broad approach. Uh, we love it when we can get a plant scientist together with a cancer biologist and they discover they're working on the same gene. But it's really more than just, I kind of came up with a new five when I became director, which is, which is investigators, students, community, government, and industry, because we all have to work together. It's an extremely complex area. And I, I love working together and I love actually all of us here uh, work to bring people together. And that's so important. Great way to kick it off. That gives us an idea of the, the breadth and the depth of bioscience with those the, the, uh, the first original five, but also your five as well. Excellent. Souvenir, would you be willing to uh, share with us next as well? Uh, any other thoughts to add around what is bioscience and how it's defined? Then, of course, we're curious to know how you were drawn to this industry. So as a medical doctor, as my background, I, uh, I define bioscience as which uh, deals with biological aspects of living organisms. It consists of uh, scientific disciplines that study life through living things in either in their past or the present. And I was drawn into this industry because studying biological aspects of the organism is very appealing to me. Our technology, which is the drug delivery platform, is uh, very uh, has certain attribute, which is since it is based on or part of the organism. So it is biocompatible. Bio, bio and being a biocompatible system, it has no problem. It's, it's safe and it's not immunogenic. Kristen, thank you. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think about bioscience, I, I think about it as innovation um, that can really, uh, that, that really fuels the power of, of life science. So, um, I've always, I've always just been connected with, or, or life science in general has always resonated with me, and really specifically how research and um, can be used and, and to advance, you know, new information, which ultimately can can be used to improve the health of others. So that's that's why um, you know it, it it resonates with me and what what that kind of innate connection is. Um, so it's it's really it's it's been incredibly fulfilling to have that as. As part of my career, uh, unlike Jennifer, who started um, engineering, I actually started um, out as a marine biology major. So we <laughs> I just pivoted um, pretty widely. <laughs> Fantastic. I'd like to ask a question, Karen. You know, one of the things that's notable is that a lot of bioscience companies, biotech companies, come from universities, right? They they've started their, um, you know, principal investigators and faculty and so on on various programs, spin out companies. And particularly in the last five years, uh, the, the University of Arizona has done such a really good job on tech transfer through the Tech Launch uh, Arizona. But, you know, I think of examples, uh, Vantana Medical, which was acquired by Roche, was a it's a diagnostics company and it's spun out of uh, U of A and is notable. I forgot what the company was when it spun out, but then Sanofi acquired it. They did uh, combinatorial chemistry and uh, it's been acquired again from Sanofi, but two entities, both in Oro Valley and uh, spin outs from the university. But it's notable that that's typically the case, unlike other aspects of technology. You know, bio stuff doesn't really start in the garage. So could you talk a little bit about that transition from academic environment to, to let me call it the real world? 
Sure. Yeah. Actually, just within the Bio5 Institute, we're proud to have fostered 55 startup companies over the last 20 years. And most of that's been recently, as you mentioned, um, you know, I think the next 20 years will have considerably more than that. Uh, but we like to, to think of it as, as um, nurturing the entire pipeline. So Bio5 takes people with good ideas, gives them seed funding, gives them the facilities they need to turn their ideas into a proof of concept. And then we work very carefully with TechLaunch Arizona, which can take those companies, nurture the idea, protect the intellectual property, license it out, or help uh, startup companies. And those can be faculty. And, and actually, nowadays, it's uh, students are getting engaged in startup companies as well. So, um, yeah, I think we now have a really good uh, infrastructure in place to help that happen. And these startup companies, they become part of our ecosystem. I think that's one of the things that's so wonderful about Southern Arizona is how connected the ecosystem is, how people help each other. And, and I think Kristen can talk about some of the um, things that she's experienced at Critical Path, but also as the leader of, of AZ Bio um, opportunities that we have there and see how that does. And then, of course, we're thrilled when we bring people like Souvenir into our ecosystem who come from outside and bring their fresh ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. I, so um, I, just to, to echo what Jennifer said, at Tucson is um, an incredibly just collaborative community. Um, just it's the nature of the city um, or very large town that we are. Uh, and so that extends uh, into really into the, the biotech and the, and the bioscience um, sector as well. With Critical Path, we're actually uh, in a somewhat influential position in that life cycle that you just described, Steve, with, with trying to nurture these, these entities as they are uh, really developing within the universities and then going through the tech launch process at the early stages when uh, things are still at you know academic research level there's not always the the forethought given as to what what will need to be seen by regulators 10 years from now when it finally reaches that point where I have a product that I'm looking to get approved or a test that I'm looking to to get cleared. Um, and so uh, with, with CPATH and our, our, um, one of our core competencies being regulatory science and just the, the nature of our um, collaborative public-private partnerships, we really do look to foster and facilitate having uh, the, these, uh, these elements that are going to be needed long-term built in from the beginning um, and so that, so that ultimately it can help to accelerate the, the path for um, whatever you know, various regulatory processes is ultimately needed. So, so that that's part of where we fit into this ecosystem. Coming from the academia and working in the academic academics for a long time, from academia to this startup stuff, it's rough for me because I am a hardcore based scientist. Starting up this company, where I don't even know what's a value proposition is or what's business model or, or commercialization thing. It took me a year to, to study and, and, and hopefully I, I was able to uh, get an NSF one, phase one SBR grant. And that keeps move, me moving. And that stimulated me to, do, to work hard and as well as study the business side because the, my problem is the business side. The science side is fine. So I was thinking that 
perhaps as a newcomer here in Arizona where I have no friends, I have nobody that perhaps somebody can help me run this company because the, the management thing is really empty. I, I so appreciate you being candid and sharing that because I, I'm sure uh, our listeners can relate to that. Starting a business is no easy task and uh, being aligned with the right organizations and people who are like-minded and enthusiastic and have that traction and can point you in the right direction means everything. Thank you so much for sharing that. Before we continue our conversation, I'd like to prompt the next question. And then we're going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor. Uh, what I'd like to have us come back and discuss when we come back on is uh, just over the last 10 years, let's discuss the factors that have uniquely positioned Southern Arizona specifically to become a bioscience hotspot. So uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, this program would not be possible without a couple of sponsors. We have Arizona Commerce Authority, who is AZ TextCast 2021 Innovation Sponsor, and we'll hear from them right now. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here. Awesome. We're back. So again, uh, over the last 10 years, Southern Arizona has become a bioscience hotspot. And let's just talk about that. What, what factors have contributed to that and, and uh, perhaps even where, where are we headed next? Who'd like to start for us? I'll start. So I, it, it touches on, um, you know, what we, what we just talked about. In part, it's the community that we have here in, in Southern Arizona. We're an international gateway, which does help to attract talent. We've got, uh, obviously, the University of Arizona and, you know, beyond Southern Arizona, we really got world-leading universities that have substantial research activities, um, as well as, as larger healthcare companies. We have multiple prestigious clinics, uh, whether it be for neurology or cancer centers or, uh, you know, those particular areas. And they also have precision therapy labs. So I think that all of that, you know, ob obviously um, uh, lends to the, the, the credibility of, of our ecosystem. We also have a pretty diverse demographic. That is, that, that's certainly a component as um, healthcare providers and as, as, as those that are um, looking to engage in more of the, the clinical uh, design process, the fact that we have a diverse population 
um, to be able to um, to evaluate um, treatments uh, with is is important. Beyond even bioscience, the Southern Arizona has a technically minded employee base. We've got Raytheon, we've got other aeronautics, um, you know, entities, and so um, that 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 mindset, you know, the, the engineering mindset that, that Jennifer brings, um, you know, that certainly resonates throughout the community as well. So I think all of that combined, plus the fact that you then have, you know, the, a, a demographic of retirees, some of whom you know have have retired here because they've been successful at running biotech companies, they have capital to be able to invest. Um, so that certainly helps to foster uh, foster the, the bioscience community here. So I think all of that combined kind of blends to um, a really um, a really interesting location where there's the um, you know there's the, the aptitude and there are the facilities and there's the know-how, but we don't have you know what we'll call the the groupthink uh, mindset that that at times maybe impact innovation in other areas. So I think we're, we're pretty well poised. How much has it changed over the last 10 years? I mean, with technology overall so rapidly changing, do you find that the same thing has been happening in your industry as well? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Jennifer can probably speak to this and it, it, you know, lends to the, the logarithmic curve. And <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. I, I think, you, two things have been really important. One is just the explosion in technology capability, right? That's allowed us to do personalized medicine. Um, changes in optics and photonics have certainly made my idea, the idea of getting into the fallopian tubes with an endoscope and taking a picture it would have been crazy 10 years ago, but now, now advances have made it that way. I think another thing that's been really critical is the investments that the state has made in biosciences across the state, but particularly important to us here in Southern Arizona. Um, When I got here 23 years ago, um, the Flynn Foundation was just putting together its biosciences roadmap. And that's been a roadmap that we're still following today and it's been really important. And as part of that, you know, 20 years ago, the Arizona voters approved the Technology and Research Initiative Fund. So this TRIF funding that um, really accelerated research at all three state universities um, has been critical. It's a little bit of seed money, but it's had a huge outside effect. Just just the portion that Bio5 manages, the portion that goes to uh, improving health activities at the University of Arizona over the past 20 years has allowed us to bring in over $1 billion in external grants, contracts, and gifts from outside into the state of Arizona. And that's, you know, turned into advances and startup companies and a better trained workforce, which I think has really accelerated Southern Arizona biosciences. It seems to me that um, also having a medical school is the only university in the state that has one uh, bodes very well for the Tucson uh, community as well because of the resources and opportunities that um, uh, represents for researchers especially. And uh, Souvenir, um, you mentioned uh, in your introduction that one of the reasons you were here was you didn't have to shovel snow anymore. But being a rather newcomer to the community uh, three or four years, tell us what, what it was that attracted you as an individual to come to Tucson and practice your trade here, as opposed to arguably one of the finest institutions in the world at Harvard. So well, uh, when we when I came here, uh, I, 
I, I, I went to different places because I was looking for incubators. And when I spoke to uh, the UAZI, uh, which was the Center for Innovation, I was, I was really struck that, uh, the, uh, that they are willing to help and they are willing to uh, uh, take an extra mile or give an extra mile to help me in developing this, this, uh, this technology. And as well as the standard of living here in Tucson is a little bit lower compared to Boston, that's, I think that's the that, that's driving force that uh, I, I selected Tucson as, as my, my home base. Very good. Besides the medical school, um, you've mentioned um, the Flynn Foundation and the um, Bioscience Roadmap Steering Committee. Uh, I think it's interesting that at least three of us uh, here today have served on that board for many, many years. I think I've been on it for 13 and a half years. And, uh, you know, it's a, to, to your point, Kristen, earlier, it's a very, very collaborative group. In fact, people suggest that uh, Arizona has a unique collaborative gene, and that's definitely uh, true in Southern Arizona uh, as well. So I think initiatives like that sort of guide the community in a direction that takes us from I think 23 years ago, Jennifer, we were like a fifth tier city when it came to health and bioscience. Today, we're a second tier city and uh, not too far away from being a first tier city like a Boston, a San Francisco, a San Diego, a St. Louis kind of place. So that process has really taken us uh, a long way. And, uh, you know, all the key people in the state that are part of the ecosystem participate in that. And uh, what Flynn does is a lot of the great research that uh, we use to find out where we're at and where we need to go. And uh, they've been a great partner for all of us. So before you move on, Steve, I just, I had to write it down. Arizona has the unique collaborative gene. I love that. At Business Radio X, we have a lot of these kinds of conversations across many different industries and educational sectors. And that's the one thing in the four years that I've owned the studio, I consistently hear, and, and really Souvenir just kind of alluded to that, just as, as you know, the newer, the newer member to Arizona on this panel I don't know where, where we don't look forward to giving a handover or a handout or an opportunity to reach and, and say, hey, I've, I've done this before, or here's how I'm doing it. And I see that through education. I th see that through, fortunately, through a lot of our, our government, uh, in addition to private industry. So uh, I love that phrase. I've never heard it before. I'll, I'll have to take that and use it. <laughs> Fantastic. So we've talked a lot about extraordinary things that we have here in Arizona, and particularly in, in Southern Arizona, that has built this very robust bioscience and health uh, community. On the flip side of that, what are some of the challenges that uh, you all see that are getting in the way of more progress? And what can we do better as a state, as a region, as individual organizations to uh, move things uh, farther and faster? I'll jump in here. I mean, it comes down to, to talent and capital. <laughs> Those are the two challenges. I think that uh, right now the, the sector is growing so rapidly that attracting talent um, at a rate that will allow us to continue to support that growth is challenging. You know, retain, retention of talent from our exceptional universities. One of the challenges we have is, you know, they, 
we, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer and, and the team at the University of Arizona, as well as, uh, you know, at, at, at ASU and NAU, they do a tremendous job of really um, training the workforce that we need, preparing the workforce that we need, and they face competitive opportunities, uh, you know, in, in hubs and, and other states. And so um, I, I think that whatever, you know, enhancing that ability to retain the talent that we've, that we've already invested in um, would be huge. I keep trying to figure out how we, how we do that or how we leverage the fact that remote work has just burgeoned and has become an accepted norm. We, you know, we have, uh, have just a, a tremendous environment here in Arizona. And so being able to retain the talent here in Arizona should become easier with this new uh, remote work dynamic. So just how we can, how we really can, can leverage that. And then capital, I think we need to keep the innovation created at our universities here in Southern Arizona. And we've mentioned several examples of where they have, um, you know, where, where we have been able to retain those, those entities. But I think that we could certainly be, be doing more. Um, and in particular, we seem to have a, a really good, um, you know, financial base for those uh, those really early stage or startup entities, and we seem to have a, a wonderful workforce environment for those um, already, uh, you know, uh, secured and, and late stage organizations. But it's the transition from one to the other where we have some risk at losing um, some entities because you know there's not that necessarily that mid phase growth investment here. Um, in Arizona. Thank you. Other thoughts? Yeah, uh, early stage companies like mine, uh, as I understood, there's a lot of money, perhaps in tens of millions of dollars. I think venture capitalists are much willing to place their bets on this unproven uh, technology and systems. And I think it's missing in Southern Arizona. And Southern Arizona is lagging in job creation if there are no fundings available to, to these uh, companies. So also, we need support from the, company, from the community to give us some seed, seed money to create to, so, so that we have some data to convince reviewers or funding agencies in the form of, of grants, money. And also, uh, uh, we need some business mentors coming from, uh, from the academia we are lacking on that area. And also a, a resource of business leaders that can help us move forward. Thank you for that. One of the things that we've all experienced over the last 20 months or so is the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, it's affected organizations very differently. Some have uh, actually grown more during the during the pandemic uh, for a trade association like the Tech Council that does 150 events a year and uh, is uh, trying to attract new members. It was a very difficult time. Can you talk to us about how it's impacted uh, both your enterprise and the bioscience community as a whole? Obviously, we all know how it's affected the health community in a very profound way, uh, but you all, are trying to find solutions to some of these uh, major problems that we that we're facing as a society and um, how has COVID affected you and the ecosystem in Tucson? Well, I, I think one of the things that's done that the university got extraordinarily busy 
uh, when COVID hit because we wanted to come up with solutions as well as um, deal with, with how to continue to educate our students. Um, but one of the things that pointed out were, were things that we were quietly building up for decades. Uh, the research infrastructure, having biosafety level three facilities, having media facilities that could produce viral transport media, having the you know a, a great group of people here in immunobiology, um, all those those facilities that we had, uh, you know, RNA sequencing facilities allowed us to really immediately, uh, you know, with, within days pivot and turn those towards coming up with more sensitive tests that we were able to deploy, um, coming up with the ability to, to develop new therapeutics and to be able to safely get back to research because we had facilities that couldn't, you couldn't shut them down. Um, you, you can't have some of the equipment or, or some of our animal resources needed to continue to be taken care of. It was extremely stressful but I think it showed that we had some resiliency there and were able to, to take those resources and immediately pivot them into things. And frankly, to be able to go out and, and help communities deploy our tests, deploy things to our native nations in ways that, that broke down some of the barriers that had previously existed. So, you know, never waste a good crisis um, was, was one of our mottos. So what about your organization? Yeah, so, you know, our, our mission actually became more relevant um, or perhaps, you know, relatable for the general population as a result of the pandemic. Um, you know, since we, since our mission is to serve as a catalyst for innovation that will accelerate the path to a healthier world, you know, the, the collaboration that was re required and demonstrated from researchers and drug developers and diagnosis labs and regulators and manufacturers, I mean, it goes on and on and that includes patient volunteers. I mean, it, it, it really did, it was tremendous. And all of that was to accelerate the development of safe, effective and reliable COVID-19 vaccines. So it's really squarely in the crosshairs of, of the role that CPATH plays to accelerate treatments in areas where there is unmet need, unmet need across just multiple therapeutic areas. So I think that the pandemic offered the general population an opportunity to kind of witness how the sausage is made, so to speak when uh, it comes to the development of approved therapies. I mean, I think we all just, um, you know, take for granted that uh, that the, the Advil or the insulin or the whatever, you know, whatever the, the treatment that is is relevant, how that came to be and how that how that arrived to a point where um, it is now um, able to be purchased and, and is safe and effective. So, uh, you know, it, it, it really shed a light on that for everybody. So, you know, in short, it it really kept, we, we kept doing what we'd been doing for the last 15 years, which was continuing to, to try and, and contribute to, to sound and data-driven science. And um, we actually, we, we are one of the entities that grew. We grew by 40 to 50% over the course of the last 18 months. Yeah. So, Anair, I'm curious about your perspective being a, a startup and how did COVID impact you, your business, and, and what you're working on? So uh, we self-quarantined ourselves, but we were able to uh, continue in a skeletal lab operation. So, uh, but at, at that time, everybody wants to uh, jump into this uh, COVID-19 uh, COVID bandwagon. And in order to, for us to make an impact against this pandemic, we were able to repurpose this, this drug delivery platform to carry neutralizing antibodies against COVID-19. Wow. 
Very cool. Now you've already made the point that um, it's very difficult to raise money, uh, especially in Arizona and in, and in Tucson. Did it make it even harder during the pandemic to raise money or, or did the, that community pivot as well and uh, you were able to still make the connections you needed to make? Absolutely. Uh, it was a hard time. You know, uh, I was at my lowest ebb. I, I'm, it's, it's hard for me and my family, but it's also a, a good thing that at that time, it's that the NSA phase one is by our grant came in. And so everybody is happy, and you know that we can that we can do our job, which we are really the, the best thing that we that we can do. Before we move on to the next set of questions and get ready to wrap up our program today, I would like to make sure we have a shout out for the 2021 Tech Advocate sponsor, JDH Insights. Let's hear from them. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2021 Tech Advocate sponsor, a leader in coaching and executive development. JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. I know throughout the program, you've all been sharing and talking about the promising bioscience solutions that you're developing are there any that we have yet to discuss that you want to make sure that we have time to highlight? I'd like to just talk a little bit about, you know, it's solving one of those challenges being talent. I think we're going to have to recruit more people into the pipeline and we're going to have to keep them and we're going to have to make sure that they're better trained when they get out. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is something where an academic institution needs to realize that it's, it's not just classroom teaching that you need. Um, and in fact, that's not even very exciting to a large portion of the population. So, so we want to uh, help recruit students in. We have a high school internship program that brings students from all over Arizona, about 50 a year. And um, it, during the pandemic, we did this virtually, but normally they go into laboratories and they actually get hands-on skills. Uh, they get uh, experience in failing lots of experience and failing and uh, become much more robust that way. And not only do we encourage those people that STEM is an area they want to go into, um, but, you know, a lot of times what we hear is like, oh, I had no idea that the University of Arizona was actually so cool. It's, you know, been in my backyard. Um, so we're, we're, we're proud to, to keep most of those students here in Arizona um, at a U of A, ASU, NAU. Um, and other uh, universities here in Arizona. So the vast majority of them do stay. Uh, Once we have them here, we want them to understand that it's not just enough to go to your classes. Um, That's not gonna be what Souvenir needs to hire next or Kristen needs to hire next when they graduate. So we have a, a student industry networking event where we get people together. It's not a career fair. It's an opportunity for them to hear directly from the companies. What, what do you need to be working on? Regulatory skills is one we hear all the time, right? That's not something that we normally have. Um, but we also are trying to change our curriculum so that those types of skills become more, we realize that they, they are absolutely necessary. So um, we hope that we can provide more people and that we can convince them to stay here in Southern Arizona. No, I really like the Bio5 business model because it brings together people with different uh, perspectives. So it's important, I think, to bring people together with di- in different disciplines and in different sectors. Uh, for instance, you alluded to this, Jennifer, but 
the Tech Council runs the um, Optics Valley Committee of the Tech Council. We actually have 75 member companies that are in optics and photonics. And, you know, those things that happen on the, uh, uh, on the cusp between sectors are really always the most exciting and the most uh, impactful. And uh, you referred to uh, in your own research, uh, one of those. And uh, are there other things like that that you're aware of that are exciting that we're uh, engineering is coming together with uh, different disciplines in the biosciences at, at the University of Arizona or outside uh, in the community that we should know about? Well, there's lots of areas where we need to, to bring people together. And I think you know one of the things that's happening is that agriculture is getting just incredibly sophisticated. And a lot of the technological advances that are occurring in agriculture um, end up being, becoming relevant. I mean, obviously, agriculture is incredibly relevant to human health, but directly even to understanding human diseases. So that interface is interesting. Uh, bringing engineers and cancer researchers together to do you know, cancer engineering uh, data science, there's a whole one um, that I know Kristen deals with. <laughs> um, and so making sure that we uh, have all of our scientists well-versed in data sciences um, and ways that you can understand huge amounts of data, machine learning, artificial intelligence. So those are some areas that are popping up right now. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and to build on that, you know, because our technology is, is obviously becoming more advanced and the technology that we use to capture clinically relevant data, the um, how do you how do you manage that data? How do you curate that data? And how do you uh, maintain and utilize that data in a way that will then allow you to um, understand more and learn more and and make that information actionable in a way that will be uh, you know in our world acceptable to the regulators. So if you think about it, you, you know our, our Apple watches, right? We have you know there's so many different health trackers on there now. And how do you use that digital device data, um, which you know you may be able to develop and utilize to track um, various elements for uh, for therapeutic areas. One example is uh, you know Parkinson's. Um, how do you take that data? and turn that into something that you can measure and accurately represent and in a, in a scientifically sound way and bring that forward into a way to enhance the, the treatment development process. It's incredibly complex to, to figure that out. I, I have one last question, Karen, then I'll turn it over to you. But, um, you know, in the last session of the legislature, um, the universities actually did pretty well in terms of the funding uh, for the new economy initiative and uh, at uh, the University of Arizona for hypersonics. And uh, we had a, a number of folks on this program a couple months ago focused on that, on that topic. So if all of you could wave your magic wand and the legislature would suddenly do whatever you wanted them to and make an investment in bioscience in the Tucson area, to, to create uh, more capacity and more capability, where would that be and how would that impact the environment in Tucson for the creation of a new startup companies, for solutions to uh, the grand challenges that we face in the life sciences? Um, uh, what would that be and where would that investment go? Any ideas? 
I'm sure we all have a few on our wish list. Um, I, you know, I, I'd love to to um, in, increase and uh, solidify the TRIF funding because yeah. we have a mechanism that's proven to have a great return on investment. You know, anywhere from seven to fifteen times investment on those dollars that are brought in the technology and research infrastructure fund, and that is something that uh, helps broadly, not just in health, but but other areas, uh, defense and security systems, space and optics. Uh, uh, resiliency and, and climate resiliency. So that's something that I'd love to see that made permanent and uh, have that investment made. That's a really good one. 301, as it's described as, legislators thought they had uh, sort of secured that, but then this lawsuit uh, that ensued has put that into question again. So I can tell you the Tech Council will be working hard to try and create a permanency for that program because it has been so effective and uh, the dramatic outcomes are uh, are things you can put your arms around and, and legislators could see. So others, uh, where would you uh, put significant funding if it was coming your way? But I would rather put it into basic science research because basic science is a fundamental things that we could understand the pathology of disease, the physiology of the of the how the how the body acts or how the body deal with diseases and things like that, and I think it should be the basic science research. Well, some of that might be coming our way because the National Science Foundation is going to get a lot more funding than it's ever gotten before. So uh, that's a good thing, and we have an Arizona in there running the NSF now uh, with Poch being in right. in charge, and so. Kristen, any ideas? Specifically, as it uh, as it relates to CPATH, I do think where there's tremendous opportunity to bolster what we do, it really would be, you know, the it, actually in the data science and then the quantitative um, aspects, those those types of roles and that that skill set would be would be huge. Thinking more broadly, though, I, you know, we've talked quite a bit uh, during during the session on the fact that. The community and the, the bioscience sector here in Arizona is somewhat organic. It has grown organically. It's been at the benefit. It's, it's reaped the benefit of the investments that have been made at the legislature. But it, it really, a, a good portion of our, of our bioscience sector um, comes from southern Arizona. I may be wrong about this. However, I've, I've never seen a strategy around building a bioscience sector within southern Arizona. Um, and what that would, you know, if we were to um, outline that and make a, you know, concerted investment in bringing in other institutions or other um, entities that can really help to further seed the bioscience sector here, I think that that would be a tremendous investment. So getting the ACA and the Sun Corridor involved in uh, attracting those kinds of institutions here to bolster where we might have some weaknesses and add where we're trying to really become an exemplary enterprise in a particular area. Correct. Analogous, analogous to the Flynn Bioscience Roadmap, but on a, I'll say on a, a regional scale, scale, specifically to our region, yeah. I think first and foremost, what, what are we, what are we mapping towards um, and understanding that so that then within this community, of really talented um, entities within Southern Arizona, we can be pulling those, uh, you know, pulling pulling in those partners that can help us 
reach that that that, that strategic goal. Um, but I, I, it it really has been organic, so I think there's tremendous opportunity there. Excellent. Yeah, really great. Well, we are just about finished with our conversation today, and I just feel very blessed with the opportunity to learn from and with each of you. We've looked at, you know, 10 years prior, we've talked a lot about today. Let's close with each of you sharing a statement around what what's next, right, for Southern Arizona bioscience industry and for your organization or company as well. Sure, thank you. So uh, by combining business and science to make life better for the people of Southern Arizona, the bioscience industry can make Southern Arizona to become a bioscience hotspot. In addition, due to the efforts of perhaps the bioscience industry in Southern Arizona, Arizona has the potential to become the top 10 state in the bioscience industry in the next decade. We're so glad you're here in Arizona with us. <laughs> Thank you. Jennifer, Kristen. I think uh, I, I agree. That was really well stated, Souvenir. Thank you. I think we're going to focus on resiliency going forward. Uh, resiliency, resilient aging, helping us all to live long, healthy lives. That's what we want. Uh, resiliency against the next pandemic, against economic cycles, against climate adaptation. So I see us all, in, in order to do that, in order to be resilient, even more resilient than we are today, we need to work together. So I love that we're great at that, but we're going to keep working even harder to forge those partnerships and move our state forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, the fact that the continued innovation within cancer therapeutics and personalized medicine, all of which Southern Arizona researchers and technology really do very well, um, I think as those continue to expand, you know, we not only have the expertise, but we have the patient population that's going to benefit from those therapies. And so I think that's going to continue to, to drive things forward. And then I also think that uh, I'll, I'll, you know, once again, expanding beyond bioscience and biotech, just overall, we're going to benefit from the growth of, of the other tech sectors that we have here um, in, in having them attract um, in investors and talent. So there will be this kind of crossover um, to biotech, I think. So That's a really good yeah. point. Um, there are a lot of sectors in the, in the technology industry that uh, we're on the precipice of becoming one of the best in the world. Semiconductors, for instance, uh, we're already up there, as you pointed out earlier, in aerospace. It's you know helped create a really tech, high tech community. So, and there's a bunch of other sectors that are really growing and on the precipice of becoming notable uh, globally. So, thank you for that, and uh, thank you all for being here, Karen. Well, I was just going to say the same thing, and I can't help but think Arizona Technology Council really, Steve. The- your organization and what you've been able to do in all the years that you have been part of our Arizona tech ecosystem have done just that, right? Listening to and and standing up for and advocating for everything that we talked about today and that crossover amongst and, and around industries. We're going to be a force, continue to be a force to be reckoned with. Any lasting thoughts, Steve, that you want to uh, close with before we... Well, I thought this was a wonderful uh, discussion. Uh, I'm sure our audience uh, learned quite a bit about the cool stuff going on in Tucson and the life sciences. And uh, I can't thank our guests enough for uh, making time for us today. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. We will have in the show notes, once this publishes a podcast after today's live broadcast, we'll have each of uh, your bios and company information, organizational information, and uh, an opportunity for our listeners to stay in in touch as well. So we want to thank you again for listening to today's 
AZ TechCast, which was brought to you by Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization, with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. Thank you again so much, Arizona Commerce Authority, excuse me. And many thanks also to JDH Insights, the 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in being a podcast participant or sponsor for the council's AZ TechCast, contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Until next time, I'm Karen Wicke. Thank you again for joining AZ TechCast.